0: Uh, The 13th chapter, Numbers chapter 13, and we'll begin at verse number 27. Numbers chapter 13 and verse number 27. As you turn there, let me tell you what's happened. God has brought his chosen people, the descendants of Abraham, um, out of slavery in Egypt. And and as he promised, he would bring them out of slavery in Egypt so that he might bring them into the promised land. And the key word there is is might, he meant that he might do it, Um, because if God's going to bring them into the promised land, it's not entirely dependent upon him. In other words, for him to be able to do that for them, it's going to require some effort and some cooperation on their part. And of course, we see that the first generation that came out of the promised land, I'm sorry, that came out of slavery in Egypt did not enter into the promised land with the exception of of two men Joshua and Caleb um, but then that next generation led by Joshua instead of Moses um, they actually do go in and at least take part of what God says uh, he had given to them so he's bringing them out so that he might bring them in and in the same way he's brought you and me out of a sin and out of enslavement to sin So that he might bring us into our promised land or bring us into uh, our best life, the life that God created us to live. But again, if we're going to experience and enjoy that best life, we're going to have to cooperate together um, with the Lord. And one of the key things that that we see that that first generation never learned to do, and it was one of the most important lessons that they could have ever learned, is that they, they never learned to trust the Lord. Um, and and if, if you're going to go from where you are right now into your best life or, or deeper into your best life, it's going to require you learning how to trust the Lord in a greater or in a deeper way. And so the word of the Lord to Moses was to send 12 spies into the promised land to spy out the land and to bring back evidence of its fruit, to bring back evidence of its abundance. And we see that, you know, one member from each tribe, I like to call those It doesn't say this. I'm just trying to help you connect it to, relate it to where we are today. Um, And so we see that that 12 pastors, 12 leaders of God's people were sent into the promised land. Ten pastors had an evil report. Two pastors had a good report. And sadly, the ten pastors swayed the rest of the congregation. And so we see in the body of Christ today that not every pastor who wears a three-piece suit and stands in a pulpit has a good report for God's people. Um, sadly, um, there are a lot of pastors today who are telling us that God no longer does what God clearly continues to do, that God no longer is who God clearly continues to be, and, and that um, you know, the things that He's promised to His people were for generations that came uh, before us and may be something you get to enjoy in heaven, but not for now, not for today. And, and so that's very similar to what these 10, um, and, and just because it was the majority, um, so many of God's people went with the majority uh, uh, report instead of the minority report, amen, of, of the uh, two spies, Joshua and Caleb. And so we're going to jump in here. This is when they're giving their report um, to, uh, the, to Moses and Aaron and the rest of God's people. And so it says in verse 27, Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us, and it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, let me just put the brakes on here for just a moment. Again, welcome to those of you who are new um, and, and guests with us here at, uh, at Heritage this morning. We're in, we're in the midst of a study on be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We see that in Ephesians 4 and 23. And, and what we understand the spirit of the mind to be is your self-image. It's, 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 it's what you think about yourself, what you believe to be true about yourself, how you ultimately see yourself, okay? And, and here we have a, a stark comparison um, to look at because um, we see that 10 of the spies had a self-image that said, there's no way we can do this. Two of the spies had a self-image that said let's go up at once we are more than able to overcome it now the reason Joshua and Caleb said let's go up at once we're well able to overcome it is because they didn't that wasn't um, uh, you know bravado they they weren't you know being macho men they weren't you know being braggadocious or, or careless within themselves their understanding or the image that they had of themselves being able to overcome it was because they knew God was with them, they they knew what God had promised them. In other words, they, they didn't see themselves in light of what was against them; they saw themselves in light of who was for them. They 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 they, they weren't. In other words, it was a fact based report. The cities were large. There were giants there. There were fortified. They were outnumbered. I mean, all of that was was fact. It, it wasn't that the ten spies were were lying, but notice how. The, the different men saw themselves determine how they interpreted um, what was going on around them. So Joshua and Caleb, because the image they had of themselves was based upon who they were to God and, and that God was with them and what God had promised them and all that God had done for them leading up to that moment, they said, let's go up at once, let's not delay another moment and, and let's go take possession of what God has, has promised to us Uh, even promised uh, to our forefathers all the way back to the to the great and mighty Abraham but the other ten men who saw the same thing that Joshua and Caleb saw they interpreted it differently because again they didn't see themselves in light of what God had done for them and what God had promised to them and what God had said about them instead they saw themselves in light of how how big the problem was how strong the cities were, how large the armies were, and, and the men who fought in those armies were. Are, are you seeing this? Now, it's not enough for us to just see it in their lives. Amen. Father's wanting us to see it in our lives. In other words, what problem are you facing right now that the devil's trying to tell you is bigger than you? Is stronger than you. What what mountain is 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 seemingly in your way this morning um, that the enemy is telling you it'll never move. Uh, it's it's too big. It's it's too hard. It's impossible. Okay. Now, if if you continue to see um, your situation right and and yourself in light of you know how it looks, seems, and feels versus everything that God has done for you, everything that God has said about you, every promise that He has made to you, right. This 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 is the is going to determine the outcome or the difference, uh, you know, in, in, in how in your in your situation. Now let me, um, I got a lot of ground to cover, and, and obviously we're not gonna, we never are able to cover it all, but I want I want to give you a bigger picture. So let's let's keep reading here, and then maybe we'll come back and comment a little more um, on this. So Caleb quieted the people before Moses. What did he tell them to do? They were starting to. You can imagine how the crowd was starting to repeat what, um, did you hear what he said? There's giants, They're giants, old oh, giants, I've heard about those giants. All this was starting to ripple through the crowd. And, and, and Caleb gets up in front of them, and I believe, you know, again, I believe he said something like this. Hush! Hush that right now. Cut that out. Let's go up at once. The only thing we should be talking about right now is how quickly we can get packed. See, this, you see the difference in the attitude. So he quieted the people. It sounds like, you know, maybe he's like, shh. No, I don't, I don't believe it was shh. I believe this man had some boldness and some, and some passion in him. And he tries to, again, inspire the people. Notice now, ten pastors discouraging the people. We've got two pastors now who are trying to encourage the people. Yes, we can do this. In other words, discourage means to diss the courage, right? <laughs> encourage means to, to excite and motivate and, 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 and build them up. And so uh, Caleb is trying to encourage the people. Let's go up at once and take the possession for we'll, we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we okay the holy spirit prompted me a moment ago and i didn't say it and he's prompting me again right now okay 1 john chapter 4 verse 4 okay you are of god little children and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world it does not say you are of god little children and will overcome them it says you are of god little children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Let me tell you a major difference between the enemies they were facing and the enemies that we're facing, okay? The enemies that we're facing have already had a mud hole stomped in them by our big brother Jesus. He has already defeated them. He has already conquered them. That's why he says you have overcome them. Not will, you have already overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, okay? Now, again, if, if, if you're going to try to compare yourself to the problem and your ability to the problem and who you think you are to the problem, well, the problem's always going to seem stronger than you, bigger than you, right? But if, if instead you'll begin to compare what you're facing not not to you but to the god who's in you to the greater one who's in you right listen i know in 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 this many people in this room plus all the ones that are watching online you know there are a lot of people who are facing some pretty serious things some some pretty challenging things and and never ever ever do i want to offend you by talking to you like this i'm not here again to offend you i'm here to encourage you okay greater is he who's in you than he who is in the world against you. And the more we see ourselves as having the greater one in us, right, the, the better position we're going to be in to stand against the things that we're facing and dealing with in life, all right? So again, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. The King James Version says, an evil report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Notice now how their poor or wrong self-image has filtered out reality. Now this is where they've gone to exaggerating. Okay, it is a fact that there were giants there. It is a fact that the cities were fortified. This is not true, though, that the land itself devours its inhabitants. And every single person over there is bigger in stature than us. Okay, that's an exaggeration. But, but, but notice, you know, <laughs> when you start going in that direction, we'll make the mountain out of the molehill if, if we allow the enemy to keep feeding our thoughts And fear keeps fueling um, our perception of things. Verse 33. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, come from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Now, when we talk about self-image, this is an extremely important verse because it reveals a different layer, a deeper layer that's connected with self-image. Because what we see here in this passage is that the way you see yourself is the way you believe other people see you. Notice they saw themselves as grasshoppers. And because they saw themselves as grasshoppers, they were convinced that the people in the land of Canaan also saw them as grasshoppers. We were as grasshoppers in our own sight. that self-image. And so we were in their sight. Okay? Now... Let me try, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out ahead of myself, we're going to build a little wall, then we're going to come and backfill some stuff, but I want to make sure that I get this bigger point and kind of an overview in place um, in case we run out of time towards the end and I, and I don't have a chance to give you this, all right? The, the bigger picture that we're, that we're wanting to focus on today is this, okay? <clears throat> how you see yourself is how you think other people see you, okay? Okay? You got that? Now, how you think other people see you, how you believe other people see you, determines something very important. It determines how you respond to those people. How? One more time. I, it, we've, we've got a couple of layers here, so let's, let's go back again. How you see yourself is how you think other people see you. You will never believe you're a loser and think other people see you as a winner. If you see yourself as a loser, you think other people see you as a loser, even if they don't see you as a loser. And this is why we try to present or project to them uh, an image contrary to what we believe to be true about ourselves because we don't want them thinking we're losers and grasshoppers. Surely they think I'm a grasshopper, so let me see if I can do something to impress them. And at least let them maybe think I'm a frog or something better or bigger than a grasshopper, okay? Um, I don't know where that came from, praise God, you got the idea. So we try to project this, this image, and we've had a lot to say about that last week, I'm not going to go back down that road, but how you see yourself is how you think other people see you, and how you think other people see you determines how you respond to those people. We've illustrated this without making this connection in the past, when we've talked about how tedious it can be to try to have a close relationship with someone who is insecure, because when someone is insecure, their self-image is, is someone who's not enough, not good enough, never measures up. So what they're, they're constantly trying to uh, give you something, do something for you to earn your affection, to earn your favor, to earn your time. Or they're constantly trying to manipulate compliments and affirmation from you. So they'll say things like, you know, um, I am so fat. okay it's because they're wanting you to say thank you for not saying amen by the way when I said that okay what you say <laughs> so just making sure you're awake all right so that what they're wanting you to say is no 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 you're you're, you're not there someone who's insecure right because they they think you see them as less than so they're trying to manipulate right these kinds of affirmations and confirmations um from you so let's there's another layer to this, but we've got to get these first two, all right? So how you see yourself is how you think other people see you, okay? And, and then how you think other people see you influences, even to the point of determines how you, res- how you respond um, uh, to those people. Let, let me try to illustrate this just in a real simple way, okay? Um, let's, let's think for a moment that um, maybe there's somebody in your life that you think you've really disappointed that you've, you've really let down, okay? All right? So notice you're going to respond by either avoiding that person altogether. Like, you know, if you see them in Walmart, you know, you kind of duck the other way, you know? Or you're, you're going to try to overcompensate when you're around that person to try and, and make up for uh, this idea that, that, that you believe they're disappointed in you. Are you, are you seeing this? Okay. Um, <clears throat> let's say um, while you're avoiding that person in Walmart that, that you believe is disappointed in you and, and, and sees you as a disappointment, okay, um, you know, over in the grocery aisle, you see someone that every time you're around them, they show genuine interest in you, they have some kind word for you, they, they have some encouraging word. Well, notice now, you, you're going to be gravitated towards the person that 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 sees you favorably that speaks to you favorably while avoiding the person that you think looks down on you with disappointment right now that's a real simple basic way there's again this is like an onion there's multiple layers to all of this but the simple bottom line that I'm trying to get you to see is that the way you believe other people see you influences to the point of even determining how you respond to them all right now Now, why is this important? Because this also applies to your relationship with God. How you see yourself is how you think God sees you, and how you think God sees you determines how you respond to Him. Okay, all right. So these are these are problems that are easily fixable. Amen. These things are easily fixable. Praise God. But as long as we see ourselves as someone that God is disappointed in, as long as we see ourselves as someone who has to earn God's love, as long as we see ourselves as someone who at some point is going to have to do enough good for God to owe them some kind of favor or blessing, right? See, this is, this is tainting. It's, 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 it's contaminating um, you know, our, our thoughts, our, our, our approach to God. But, but more than anything else, it's it's affecting and negatively impacting our faith okay because if we have time to get to it this morning if not we'll get there next week um faith is your response to god far too many people in the body of christ they they're viewing faith as an effort to get god to respond to them my friend please faith is you responding faith by hearing hearing by the word of god So faith is you responding to what God has already done for you. Faith is you responding to what God has already said about you. Faith is responding to what God has already said to you. Amen? If someone in the room is not born again and you receive salvation this morning, you would by faith be receiving something that Jesus has done for you in the past. Yes? See, it's something that He's done for you. How do you receive salvation? Salvation, you receive it by faith, by believing in the heart, confessing with the mouth, okay? But by faith, you're, re- you're responding to something that has already been done for you, something that has already been given to you, something that has already been spoken over you, amen? And so now, now faith uh, is awakened, aroused, comes to the surface, so to speak, in, in our lives by hearing the Word of God, the, the, the Word of God, the rainbow Word of God, the anointed Word of God. We, we hear that. Now... When we respond to it, this is how we receive salvation. So we've got to lose this idea that we're trying to get God to respond to us. Gideon was, the, was, was a, a part of our current study. Um, and we see that Gideon saw himself as a victim instead of a victor, right? And, and, and because that was his self-image, notice now he's trying to get God to respond to him. And, and And listen to how he's responding to God, the angel of the Lord shows up you know right there with him, where he's working on the wheat and and calls him a mighty man of valor and and notice how he responds not not just to the angel but how he responds to the problems and the challenges and the difficulties that he's facing. He responds by "Where is God God's let us down? you know where are his miracles why why isn't he helping us all, all these other things notice again self image is is he sees himself as a nobody. Therefore, he thinks God sees him as a nobody. And so, when God shows up and, and begins to speak to him, he's responding to God as if God's calling him a nobody when God said, You're a mighty man of valor and can go destroy Midian as a single man. But he doesn't, he, God says, Go now in this might of yours. Let's go up at once. Where we're well able to overcome it. Gideon is like, there's no way, I'm a nobody, I can't. You've forsaken me, God. You've let me down. You haven't answered my prayers. You haven't done this and that for for us and for me. Response. What am I trying to point out to you? Response. Okay? Compare how the two spies responded to what they saw in the promised land versus how the 10 spies responded to what they saw in the promised land but again that response is based upon how they think god sees them are you seeing this they have this they had this poor self-image of themselves and 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 they think there's no way they can do it and if they think there's no way they can do it surely god thinks there's no way they can do it you picking up what i'm putting down this morning okay all right now, I felt the Holy Spirit really breathing on this this morning. So I, I want to I just go back and touch on a few things. And I haven't forgotten, we're doing communion, okay? So we're going to save some time at the end for that. But if we go back to verse 29, your Bible should still be open there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along by... Uh, along the banks of the River Jordan. So, so what are they saying? What, what, what is the report? Or, or when we say report, what is the response? Okay. Well, the response is, there's no room over there for us. The response is, everywhere we look, somebody already is there. I mean, there's beautiful mountains, but they're already occupied. And then, you, you know, you go over to, to this part of the country and, and all them folks are there. And so we thought, well, you know, I've always wanted to live on the beach. And so, uh, but, you know, lo and behold, they've already populated all that by the beach. And so, well, you know, next best thing to the beach is the river. And, but people are already living on the river too. So what are they saying? They're saying, we don't fit in over there. There's no, there's no place for us. And these folks are not going to make room for us. And so we would be foolish to try to go over there because somebody got there before us. Somebody else has taken our place. Somebody else has already gotten what God said was ours. And so there's no reason for us to go because there's nowhere over there that we belong. Here's the real problem with that though. God didn't tell them to go fit in. He told them to go take over. Now, I want you to understand something about your new birth. Your new birth took you out of darkness and relocated you into light. Ephesians 5.8 says you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Not just were in darkness, you were darkness. But you're not darkness anymore. You've now been made light because you've been born of the light. You've been born a second time of an incorruptible seed. You have been made light. He made you light. Adam's corrupted seed made you darkness, but you are not darkness anymore if you've been born again. You are now light in the Lord. Amen. And the Bible makes it very clear, light and darkness do not get along. The day you became a born-again man or woman, you became a different being than the beings that exist in this world who have not yet been born again. And the only way you will ever feel like you fit in with them is if you compromise to get them to accept you. But even when you compromise, because I've done it and I'm sure at least somebody else in this room has done it, even when you compromise to fit in with them, you still don't belong. We are in this world, we are not of this world. We are citizens of the Kingdom of Heaven and we are ambassadors representing our Father and His Kingdom in this world. We are in this world on assignment. We are not here to be like this world. We are here to change this world. We are not here to be accepted by this world. We have already been accepted by the Creator of this world. And the Creator of this world who has accepted you and me into the Beloved, into His family, made us one with Him, we now represent Him in this created realm. And My friend, my brother, my sister, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb if you're doing it right. And you may even stick out like a sore thumb if you're doing it right amongst your own family. I'm not saying you can't go commit a sin if you've been born again. At least your flesh can't. But getting born again kind of ruined sin for us, didn't it? Because we go and we sin and we're miserable. Because it ain't you anymore. You try to go back in there and have fellowship with the darkness when God made you light. It don't work. There's no fellowship there. Amen? You see, the wrong self-image will cause you to try to coexist and get along with things you should be eradicating from your life. He didn't tell you to come to terms with your addiction. See, that's what the world tells you to do. Well, you just need to get used to it. You just need to learn how to live with it. You just need to learn how to get along with it. No, you need to learn how to eliminate it. God didn't tell them to tolerate the Midianites. He told them to eliminate the Midianites. Now, if that sounds cruel to you, you have to understand what God told Abraham 430 plus years before this. He said, I'm going to give you this land, but not now. He said, because the inhabitants of the land, he said, their iniquity is not yet fulfilled. In other words, God had a line, and they hadn't crossed it yet. But God said, there's coming a day when they're going to sacrifice enough children, and they're gonna, all the debauchery and wickedness and evil that those people were practicing. God said, there's, there's going to come a day when, when I'm going to be through with them. And when I'm through with them... Abraham, all of your descendants, I'm going to give them this land, but not now. So I'm, I'm not trying to freak you out by all this, but I'm, but I'm telling you, this, this is what was happening with all of this. You see, maybe this one will be a little easier for you. The wrong self-image will cause you to try and tolerate what you have been given power and authority to eliminate He didn't tell us to go find where we fit in the world. He told us to go change the world. See, that's one of the problems that we've had in the body of Christ. We're trying to, we're trying to figure out how to be like the thing that we're supposed to be changing. Do you see the confusion in that? Let me Let's go to Joshua. Praise God. Man, I got I got I got some good stuff to give you. I just don't have the time to give it all to you right now. Okay? Now, remember the giants made them feel small. Made them feel helpless and made victory and overcoming seem impossible. But we don't walk by and live by the way things look, seem, and feel. And so again, notice the self-image feedback loop here. I feel like a grasshopper. I am a grasshopper. I am a grasshopper. Therefore, others will see me as a grasshopper that I, as the grasshopper I am, unless I avoid them all to, together or convince them otherwise. This is the silly game most people on planet Earth are playing. Now let's go to Joshua chapter two. We've got we to land this plane so we can do communion together. Amen. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? Quit looking for where you fit in in this world, and let the Holy Spirit show you where you fit in the body of Christ. Quit putting on airs and start putting on Christ. Amen. If you will let Him show you where you fit in in the body of Christ, then our dependence upon feeling like we fit in and belong to the world, right? Fitting in in the world versus fitting in with God, my friend, there's no comparison. But until we know where we fit in the body of Christ, we will constantly be trying... To, to satisfy the longing to belong by seeking it out in the world system. All right, now, remember, we're grasshoppers. We, we can't. They're stronger than us. They're bigger than us. Their cities are fortified. Their armies are larger. They got tanks and howitzers and, you know, we got rocks and slingshots and we're nobodies and they're everybody's and blah, that was all they said, right? Okay, now, fast forward 40 years. Joshua chapter 2, verse 8, guess what? We've got more spies now. Next generation of spies. They've returned to the land and they've been spotted and now there's a manhunt. There's a posse. And so they go to a lady's house named Rahab and Rahab happened to be a prostitute, and we see that she hid them and then negotiated um, uh, protection for her and her family for the day when the armies of Israel actually came to take what God said was theirs. Now, listen to what she says here. Now, before they lay down, she's, she hid them and remember she put some flax bundles and stuff over them, she hid them in, in her home. Now, before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, "Listen to what? Listen to this now. I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted." For the Lord your God is in heaven above and on earth beneath. Can I tell you what's really sad right here? Is their enemies had more faith in their God than they did. they're thinking their enemies see them as grasshoppers because they saw themselves as grasshoppers. Now, this is a really important point that we have have been emphasizing over and over again. Their image, the image they had of themselves, the image Gideon had of himself, remember, it was a self-image based upon what they had experienced, what they had gone through, what had been done to them, what have we said? We need an image of ourselves based upon what God has done for us, not what has been done to us, not what we have done to ourselves. And going will say it again. We need a, an image of ourselves based upon what God has done for us not what has been done to us. Notice, the the former uh, generation, their image of themselves was based upon what Egypt had done to them, based upon what they had experienced in Egypt, not what God had done for them. And they therefore believed that their enemies had the same image of themselves, grasshoppers, as they had of themselves. Notice, their enemies' image of them was one based upon what God had done for them. Do you see this? Their enemies had it right. Their enemies looked at what God had done for them and there's no way we can defeat these people. They hadn't got a good night's sleep in 40 years. See, the image that they had of the Israelites was an image based upon what God had done for them. Therefore, they had more faith in the God of Israel than Israel had in the God of Israel. I'm trying to show you the power of self-image here. The image that you have. They had an image of the Israelites that caused them to believe that the Israelites, God, right? He's not just God in heaven. He's on the earth beneath. And if He's here, we're in trouble. They didn't compare themselves. They didn't say, they didn't do what the See, the Israelites, notice again, they compared themselves to the size of the armies to the size of the people right what did their enemies do their enemies didn't say to themselves we uh, we we outnumber them we've we've got fortified cities we've got thick walls we've got chariots We, we we can we can outnumber them a thousand to one tomorrow if we need to see they didn't think like that right was all of that a fact every bit of that was a fact but why were they, con- why did their hearts melt within them? Why Why were they faint hearted? Why did they have absolutely no courage? Why were they already thinking about where they were going to be buried when Israel came to get them? Why were they thinking about that? Because their God is the God in heaven and on the earth beneath. And if he dried up the Red Sea for them, if he broke them out of the world superpower, Egypt, and left that place a wasteland, what in the world will their God do to us? you ever thought about how the devil looks at you based upon what God has done for you? Have you ever thought about how terrified he is of you? All the things that we've done to shame and degrade ourselves, turned our back on Him, waved the middle finger of our lives in His face, and He died for us anyway? That He loves us that much? Think of all the songs, not just Jesus' songs. Think of all the secular songs about the power of love. My friend, love is a powerful thing, and Father God has it for you. And your enemy knows that He has it for you. We got this idea that the devil's like all that in a bag of chips. Listen to me, please. Listen to me, please. The only hope he has of containing you is, is keeping you from ever seeing yourself in light of what your Heavenly Father has made you, what He's done for you, what He's said about you, what He said to you, and what He's given to you. The devil's only hope of containing you and me is that we continue to see ourselves as the person we were instead of the person we became the day we became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Because not only is his reign of terror in your life over the day you know the truth about who you are in Christ Jesus, not only is his reign of terror over in your life, it's over in the lives of all the men and women that God puts you on this earth to influence. The Lord said something very powerful to me. It, 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 has, it, it has and is changing my life. He pointed out how I have, I have allowed people who have rejected me over the years to influence the way I see myself. And his word to me was very simple. He said, do not ever again let people who reject you keep you from reaching the people who want you and need you. And it all starts with, guess what? Pull every petal off every flower in the world. He wants me. My Creator wants me. My Creator thinks I'm pretty cool. My Creator likes me. He, he, he loves me. He, he don't just love me. He likes me. He likes the way He made me. He, he, likes, he likes the way I, I talk and, and the way I look. Amen. Are you understand what I'm saying? He likes the shape of my index finger. And the index finger is kind of different from my other fingers. But He made it that way. And He likes it that way. asked Oliver the other day they said you want to be tall like dad he said yeah 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 yeah." he said you want to be tall like uncle John Mark yeah tall like John Mark you want to be tall like granddaddy no too tall (laughs) amen come on now (laughs) I'm a six and a half foot man in a six foot world are you hearing me but my Creator Father made me this tall. Are you notice what I'm saying? Now I made myself as wide as I've made myself at times. Amen. But he made me this tall, right? Are you hearing me? He evidently wanted me. There's evidently a reason why he wanted my hair to turn white in my twenties. Are you hearing me? And he likes it. It's okay with him. And so it's okay with me. Are you understanding me? Are you hearing me? And not a person in this room hadn't been rejected. Not a person in this room. Some of you have have endured a lot more serious rejection than I have. You've been rejected by your mamas and your daddies and your brothers and your sisters. You've been rejected by your own family. The devil's tried to use that to tell you, you're worthless. Your own mama did, won't you? See, he's lying to you. Don't, don't let the people who've rejected you keep you from reaching the people who want you and need you. I was praying about it, that again this morning because when the Lord speaks to you, you've know, you got to keep that, you've got to write the vision. You know, I was talking to him about it again this morning, you know what he reminded me of? He said, you want an example of that? Look at Jesus on this earth. What if Jesus had let all the people who rejected Him, keep Him from reaching the people who want Him and need Him. My friend, we got folks in this room this morning that don't just need Jesus. We know that we need Him. And and don't just need Him and know that we need Him. But there's folks in this room and watching me online this morning. You actually want Him. Do you realize how many of the billions of people on planet Earth, they don't want Him? Inconceivable to me. He didn't let knowing all those folks who would hear about Him and say no to Him, keep Him from... The, remember what He said? Straight and narrow is the way and few they be that find it. If Jesus had based His decision on doing for us what He did for us, on whether or not a majority of the human population that live from the day of His resurrection to the day of His return, right, it's saying yes to Him? Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's like, Father, look, I'll do it. I'll do it if 75% of all human population, but if it's, if it's less than 50, no way. it's not. No, no, He'd have done it if you were the only one. Singers, as musicians, I, amen, come on, praise God. I heard George Pearson say something. He's a pastor out at Eagle Mountain Church. And he said the day things changed forever in their family of faith was the day that he quit being a slave to the clock. And Man, that, that touched me. Amen. Amen. I'm not not trying to offend you or scare you. Amen. I'm just saying, we we got some important business to take care of while we're together. And amen. I used to say it kind of joking around, but it's okay. I'm not being a smart act when I say, if you get through before we do, then nobody's going to think bad of you. Amen. So praise God. I mean, some folks have to go to work and stuff. I got that. And that's not a shot. I'm not taking a shot at you. I'm just saying. We're dealing with some important stuff right now. And I refuse to feel rushed about it. So we need a self-image based upon the truth of what has been done for us instead of what has been done to us. So here is, here is what the Lord gave me, and actually I, I added a couple of sentences to it. And so this, this may continue to develop that way. All right? I ask you to get a copy of this and put it on your mirror and read it every day. I, I've been doing that. I missed a couple of days. I'm just full disclosure, but man, it, it's, it's doing something in me. Anybody else doing something in me? When, when Gideon asked, um, and, the Mid, and, and the Israelites asked, why, why is God not helping us? God responded by everything he did for them. And so I was meditating on that one morning, and I said, well, Lord, if you were to answer us this way, what would it sound like? If, if, in other words, if one of your children today in the New Testament said, God, why aren't you helping me? Why? you know and you were to respond to us what you've done for us what would it sound like and 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 this is what began to turn in my spirit okay thus says the lord god jehovah i knew you and loved you before you were formed in your mother's womb i gave you purpose and grace in my son before time began i chose you to be one with me and to be as jesus is to me before you ever lived a single day of your life i love you so much that i sent my son to rescue you He became your sin and was punished in your place, so sin will never separate you from me again. When Jesus became your sin, I turned my back on him, but did so knowing it would be the last time I ever had to turn my back on one of my children. At great cost to myself, I delivered you from sin, and I also delivered you from the curse of sin, including sickness, poverty, and death. By my son's suffering and stripes, all of your sicknesses and diseases have been healed. I have given you my life and nature in overflowing abundance and without end. I have given you my spirit as a helper to be one with you and to live in you forever. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you to empower you to live the life I created you to live. I've set my eternal love upon you and nothing can separate you from it. I will tell nothing from you if I gave you my son. I will surely give you all other things. I have given you my name, my word, my kingdom, my glory, my authority, and my victory. I've made you righteous and I've made you free and I've made you wise and I've made you strong and I've made you prosperous. Jesus became accursed for you so the blessing of Abraham could forever encompass your life. I've seated you together beside me with Jesus in the heavenly places far above any demonic threat to your destiny. My thoughts towards you are only precious. I sing you songs of my love for you over you while you sleep at night. I keep track of how many hairs are upon your head at any given moment throughout your day. You are the apple of my eye and the object of my affections. My love for you is without measure and without end. I have given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing and I've prepared things for those who love me that go beyond your wildest imaginations. Come on now. Amen. 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 And I'm going to let somebody who rejected me in high school count more in my life than that? Are you following me? I kind of wimped out there. Let me say it again. I'm going to let all the people who have left Heritage over the years count more, have more say-so in my life about how I see myself than what my Creator Father has done for me? No, no Stand with me. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Before we do communion, I want to pray over you. Praise God. Father, I thank you for what you are showing us and what you're teaching us, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you're helping us identify one of the major root problems in our lives. And in the process, Lord, you are not only showing us what the problem is, you're showing us what the solutions are that you have provided for us. And so, Lord, I thank you that your words are penetrating deeply into our hearts this morning. Father, that that we do not have stubborn hearts. We do not have hearts that are resistant or or refuse uh, to hear and and to turn so that you can heal us and and work in our lives. But, Father, we have soft hearts, a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. Lord, that, that your word and your Holy Spirit can easily shape and form and and renew and recondition, Lord. Help us see ourselves in light of our true image, Father, so that we can be everything that you created us to be and do everything you created us to do and have everything you created us to have. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll take your emblems this morning. By the way, if you have not yet received the emblems there on the back table, you can grab them now. If you'll notice, there's a there's a couple of tabs. Pull the the clear tab first, and that'll um, open up the section that has the wafer in it. So I'll give you a minute to do that, and then we're going to pray over um, the wafer. Praise God! As you're doing that, let me remind you that Jesus instructed us in the scriptures to do this um, when.